Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. You excited to get into the Word? I'm excited to preach. I'll tell you why. We have fun at the 9.30. And uh, 9.30 is getting more hype than the 11. I don't know. I'm just saying. There's a competition going on. And I'm going to need you to push back a little bit. I think it's that they drink more coffee. I think it might be that. I'm not really certain. Um, but boy, we, did we have fun. And I think we're going to have some fun today. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It's a very small passage of scripture, one verse, but boy is this significant. Rejoice in the Lord always, Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I have my idea come out there. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Somebody say, say that again. Yeah. See, that's what you got to do when I say something good. And I'm preaching to go, say that again. It's in the Bible. I'm just asking you to obey the word. And um, Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And the key word here is always. Now, if you missed last Sunday, I'm going to summarize the whole sermon in one sentence. And this was it. In every season, there's a reason to be grateful. That's it. That's all we talked about. In every season, there's a reason to be grateful. And we talked about the three seasons of life that we experience. We talked about the for the season. It's when God is blessing us and we've got, things are going well and we're on top of the mountain and we caught every green light on the way to church and on the way to work. And it's just good. You just ought to know when God's blessing you that way, you know, have manners. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you for the, that's what Moses taught us. Thank God for the, and we also said that even if you think you're not living in this season, if you look close enough, boy, are you. Thank you for the oxygen you give me, amen, for the fact that I can see, that I can hear, that, that I walk in the church today, that I enroll myself in the church today. There's always something we can be grateful for, the. And we talked about David who was not grateful for, the, but he was grateful even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? What's he talking about? Sometimes life doesn't go so great. Give God thanks anyway. And finally, we didn't get to hear about it in the 11 because we went over, but we, we finished off with Professor Paul who told us to thank God because of, which is amazing. He's saying you can actually thank God for the hard things that are hitting your life, for the moments of persecution and trial, because they are producing in you a purpose that's going to bless someone else. Amen. And so uh, that was what we did last Sunday. We told you that you needed to be grateful at all times, in the good times, in the bad times, in the mad times, in the eh times, in all the times in between. Be grateful. Now, that honestly is a message that is easier to preach and say amen to than it is to live out. And so today, what I thought we would do is we would get it a little more practical. Today, I thought I wasn't just going to tell you to be grateful in every season. I thought it'd be cool if I could teach you how to be grateful in every season. And that's what Paul's doing here in Philippians. No better book to be able to dump into, jump into this topic than Philippians. Philippians is known to Bible scholars and theologians the world over as the book of joy. The book of gratefulness, the book of gratitude. In every chapter, Paul talks about being happy. And, and I mean, this chapter of the Bible is on, on Xanax. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's super excited and, and pumped. And, which is really ironic because it was written from a prison cell. 
So from a prison cell, Paul is teaching us um, to be grateful. Um, the problem is he's teaching a people who are unfamiliar with the concept. See, Paul is a Jewish person. He's a Hebrew. And he's trying to teach the Hebrew Bible to people who didn't grow up in Hebrew church. In a lot of ways, I feel like Paul. Because I feel like our church is here, not for those who go to church or grew up in church, but for those who don't grow. And, and I can understand Paul's frustration trying to teach things that maybe they didn't, people didn't grow up learning. And, and he's challenged here. And, and I know that he is because in Philippians 4.4, 4, let's show it again. He says, I rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. With Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And, and here's how I know. you got to kind of read between the lines. Here's how I know Paul is having trouble communicating Hebrew concepts to Greek people. He's preaching to the Philippians, which, you know, deep thought didn't speak Hebrew. They spoke Greek. And so he's trying to, you know, relay this concept. And here's how I know he's having trouble. Because he says rejoice in the Lord instead of what he would have said if he was speaking to Hebrews. He would have said hallelujah. Because in the Bible there's a word called hallelujah. But it's a Hebrew word that doesn't translate into the Greek. And the reason why it doesn't translate into the Greek is because the first part of it, hallelujah, is Hebrew. <laughs> and it's not Greek. And it's, and it's more than even a word. It's a thought, right? Hallelujah is like a kuna matata. You know what I'm saying? Like, it means no worries. You know, in, in every season, I'm going to give God praise. That's what David talks about. Hallelujah in the good times. Hallelujah in the bad times. Hallelujah in the middle times. In the, in the up times. In the met times. And then ja, hallelujah. Jah, Jah is uh, uh, Jehovah or Yahweh, which is an idea of God that doesn't translate into the Greek either way. And so he is trying to teach these Greeks who didn't grow up in church a concept that is strictly a church concept. Hallelujah. The ability to praise God in every season of your life. But because they don't have the background, they don't have the history, they don't have the culture, he literally has to teach them how to do it. He has to teach them how to Hallelujah, which is the title of today's message. How to hallelujah. Because, boy, it's easy to ask you to say hallelujah. It's easy to tell you to praise God in all seasons. But how to do it is hard, man. It's hard when you're trying to learn something that you didn't grow up learning or doing. You can relate to that if you didn't grow up in church. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Or if you've ever done anything new for the first time. Like I remember the first time I tried to pick up golf. Any golfers in the house today? Raise your hand if you're a golfer. Come on, raise it high and proud. You're a golfer, high and proud. Don't put, don't put it down. It's only bear bears. Come on. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I just need to know who to hate in church right now because <laughs> I'm just being honest. I, I thought that I could pick it up easy. Like, I play sports. I pride myself in playing sports. I looked at golf and I'm like, I can play golf. Golf's easy. <laughs> there's, no, there's no opponent. Nobody's trying to tackle you. Nobody's trying to throw you out. Nobody jumps in front of the ball before you hit it and like, ooh, stolen. You know, like, that's not how you play golf. You just hit the ball, man, and it goes far, and that's how you play. And I thought, oh, that's cool. And I wanted to learn because Liz and I were part of this missions organization called Speed the Light, and we would raise money for missions. And, and once a year they would go to the Speed the Light banquet, and the guys, they did the manly thing, and they went out and played golf. And the, and, the, and the women, they went out shopping. And so they gave them, the women, all this money for shopping, and they gave the guys, like, paid golf. And, like, it was kind of sexist, but anyway, I thought... I don't want to be with the women. I want to, I want to, I have a woman. I want to play with the guys in golf as I was trying to get good. And so I went out to the driving range and I started to, to hit a couple. You know, I thought that I would try and hit a couple. Went to the golf store, um, bought a golf glove. Don't know why. It's just what you do when you try something new. You get all the gear and you assume that the gear is going to help you get better, but it doesn't. And so I got the golf glove, man, and I went out and I started swinging and missing. 
every single night. It was just me on the golf range, and it was a long range. There was probably like 20 stalls. It was me on the far left because I didn't want to bother anybody. And there was this one guy, one guy who's on the far right, 20 stalls over. And uh, as I'm swinging, as I'm swinging, um, missing and missing, hitting balls that are like rolling. And uh, this guy comes all the way over from the other side of the driving range. And I'm thinking, I broke a rule. Like golf has some type of etiquette that I didn't know about. Like, I don't know, I may have dressed wrong. He comes over and he's like, sir, sir. I'm like, yes, I'm new here. Um, he's, like, he's like, can I help you? And I'm thinking, wow, this is so cool. This driving range has professional instructors who volunteer their time to help you get better at golf. That is amazing. I go, absolutely, sir. Do you work here? He goes, no. You just need help. I don't know whether to be grateful or offended. Just came over, dropped what he was doing. And I took a couple practice swings. And he looked at me. He goes, oh, I know what your problem is right away. He goes, what? He goes, did you play baseball? I go, yeah, I used to play baseball. He goes, you're swinging a golf club the way you're singing a baseball bat. And that's not how you do it. You gotta, you gotta re, retrain your, your dynamics and reach. And the crazy thing is, guys, I was trying so hard to hit that ball. Effort was not my problem. <laughs> Bad habits were. And here's what I think. I think what's gonna get us into the next season, what I talked about last, I think the reason why we struggle with gratitude isn't that we're not trying to be grateful. I just think we've got some bad habits. We were taught some things about the way gratitude works in this world. And God has come and Paul has come in the scriptures to retrain the way our brain thinks about being grateful. Amen. And he starts there. And so he's got to go against some advice that we've heard all our life. Like, for example, this is the first thing Paul says. Gratitude isn't something that you introduce at the end of your problem. Gratitude is how you start your problem. That's the first point, start. That's why we give out those worship guides so you can write them down. So if you haven't ever done that before, start, okay. Start, write notes. So start, you got you to gotta start. And I don't mean start being grateful, I mean start with gratitude. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I don't know if you caught it. But Paul is giving us advice that goes contrary to centuries-old advice of moms and dads. Moms and dads taught us that when someone does something nice for you, you be sure to say, but Paul says it's not enough to say thank you after God has given you. you got to learn to say thank you before you even ask. Gratitude is not what comes at the end. Gratitude is what comes at the beginning. Paul's saying, I can't wait to get out of jail to be grateful. Because if I wait to get out of jail to be grateful, then I'll still be a prisoner in my heart and I'll still be a prisoner in my mind. And so I got to learn how to praise while I'm locked up. I got to learn how to praise while the prison doors are closed. In other words, gratitude is not an outcome. For Paul, gratitude became an initiative. It's how you start, not how you end. Does any... That's what I'm talking about. Does anybody know how the Thanksgiving holiday started? I, I pride myself to be a student in history, and I was blown away when I found out the true history of Thanksgiving. I thought it was pilgrims, turkey, and Pocahontas. Like, that's what they told me in school. And so recently I found out that although in 1621 the pilgrims and the Indians had a kind of a dinner and, and that created the idea of Thanksgiving, the holiday itself was not instituted until Abraham Lincoln came to presidency. 
the first president to initiate Thanksgiving as a holiday. And the interesting thing about it is when he decided to make it a holiday, the year 1863. Now, 1863 is a significant year if you're a student of history because you know that 1863 is the second to third year right in the middle of the four-year war called the Civil War which was the bloodiest war ever on American soil. 300,000 soldiers died. One out of every five people in America who lived at the time died. That means that there wasn't a family that wasn't affected by this war. Brother against brother, father against son. It was the most divided point in our nation's history, just to give you some hope from election week. If we made it through that, we're going to make it through this. Amen? You got to know that. We're going to make it through this. Okay, and in the middle of this war, in the middle of the very worst war, 1863, the war went from 1861 to 1865, 1863. Here's what Abraham Lincoln wrote. This was the speech where he declared it. He said, I'm going to give you a piece of it. It's much longer, but I'll just give you some portions. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added, which are of such an extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Then he goes on to talk about all the amazing things going on in the nation in the middle of a war highlighting the winds. And he also goes on to talk about how bad it could be. Then he goes back to talking about how great things are, though. And this is what he says. These things that we have, they are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered his mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens, here he goes, in every part of the United States, north and south, and all those who are at sea and all those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise. That was the original name of thanksgiving. Not thanksgiving, thanksgiving and praise. As a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. He made that declaration in the middle of the worst war this country has ever seen on its soil. And when I learned that, it taught me something. Get ready, get your pens ready. Gratitude is not something we give when the fight is over. It's how we fight. In the middle of the fight, he says, we need to give thanks now. Boy, I tell you what, if Paul was there, and he was because he's writing in Philippians, he goes, Philippian church, don't you remember when I got locked up with my boy Silas and they put us in jail? You were there, Philippians. I got locked up in Philippi. Remember how I didn't ask to see a, for a lawyer? I didn't ask for a judge. I didn't ask for my rights. I only asked for one thing. Can you put Silas in my cell? Because when me and Silas get together, boy, we sang. <laughs> He drops the beat, I hit the high parts. I hit the falsetto, he hits the, the tenor. And we just go for God. And the Bible says that they sang in the prison. They praised God in the prison. And at the midnight hour, every chain fell from their wrists and every shackle from their ankles. He knew that sometimes you got to praise your way out. you got to thank God for it. Here, here's how I wrote it and you, and you can write this down. Listen, last week I told you you got to thank God for the, remember? Thank God for the. Here's what I'm going to teach you this week. you got to learn to thank God for the before the. 
You got to learn to thank God for the, before the, before you're free, thank God for your freedom. Before you start the business, thank God for the successful business. This is how I prayed my wife into existence, y'all. I was like, God, I thank you for my wife while I was single. I'm telling you, listen, if you want to get in a relationship, you better start thanking God for the spouse that you don't have yet. And throw in there all the things you want. Thank you, God, because he's spiritual. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the man of God that you have. Thank you, God, because he loves you and he got a job. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, because he loves you, he got a job, and he's fine. Thank you, Lord. Just begin to, pra just begin to praise your man into existence. Begin to thank God for all the things you want. I'm telling you, this is what I do for my boys. You know that I thank God for, the, for my boys' wives already. Every night, every night I pray for my children's wives. And I don't even have, you know why? Because I don't want to stress out when they get married. I don't want no ungrateful in-laws. I don't want no crazy girls coming over the house. I'm like, no. I, I pray for my God. I pray that my boys will love them. I pray that they will love God. I, I pray that they will be crazy. Thank you, God. Thank you. Because they're not crazy because they love you and they love Liz and they love me. Thank you. You got to learn how to say thank you for the, before the. And someone says, well, what if I ask God for what I want? He doesn't give me what I want. You know, you're not supposed to catch your chickens, count your chickens before. You know how that goes. <laughs> count your chickens before they hatch or something like that. I don't even know what that means. I'm not a farmer. Well, what am I going to thank God for the before the what if I don't get what I want? This is the beautiful thing about God. If he doesn't get you what you want, it's because he's giving you what you need. That's oh, good. Yeah. It's like your grandma on Christmas. You ever have a grandma on Christmas? I'll tell you what. It's like all grandmas all over the world got together and decided that on Christmas we're going to get our kids socks and underwear. Every grandma. I got one grandma for the last 32 years. I'm like, grandma, I'm 32. It's getting weird now. Every Christmas, socks and underwears. When you're a kid, you want toys. I remember just, Grandma, stop coming to Christmas. We don't need you here. <laughs> we make the food, we'll eat it. I don't need no socks and underwear, Grandma. I'm, I'm full, I got plenty. And she's like, no, you need socks and underwear. But you know what? There comes that day. Laundry day. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a spiritual, metaphorical laundry day. When you ain't got what you need, you want to go somewhere, and everything's dirty, and you and you pull into the in your, in your cupboards, and you're looking in the drawers, and you're looking for not X Men, you're not looking for Wolverine, you're not looking for your PlayStation, you're not looking for your Nintendo Switch, you're looking for the thing that you need, the thing you didn't want, but that God knew you needed, He put it away and stored away for the moment when you'll need it. Hey, I'm so grateful that I serve a God who will give me what I want, and if He doesn't, it's because He knows what I need. That's why I can thank Him before the. Because I know no matter what I get, it's exactly what I needed. Amen. I'm trying to teach you that gratitude isn't just what you get out, it's what you put in. I'm trying to teach you that gratitude is not just what you get out, it's how you get out. Because it's how God gets in. The Bible says that the Lord abides in the praises of his people. Listen, I don't know what your situation is, but I know you need God. To, I know that God is the only one who can handle your situation. You know how I know that even though I don't know you? Because you're at church right now. Hey, if there was anybody on planet Earth who could do what you needed them to do, you'd be there. But you're here because you're in a situation that only God can get you out of. And here's what I love about God. The only way we can invite him into the situation is to give him praise before the situation is fixed. Because our praise is an invitation to God's presence to step into our situation. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise him. There is a gate between you and God. And what unlocks the gate is praise. 
And when you give God praise, the gate opens, God steps in and does what you need him to do in your life. You start with praise independent of how you feel. And you can start with thanksgiving independent of what's going on. Because you need to catch this. Gratitude is not a what, it's a way. It's a way of seeing. It's a way of believing. It's a way of living. But most importantly, gratitude is a way of thinking. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Somebody say whatever. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He says practice thinking. Practice thinking. Practice thinking. You want to know how to, hallelujah? you got to practice the way you think. And practice thinking is called focus. My first point was start. Here's my second point. Stay focused. you got to stay focused. Before I did this, I was a professor at a university. Before I did that, I was a district youth director. I led these big conferences. 2,000 students would come every, uh, twice a year. They would come, and it would be packed, and we would do, and it was amazing because I, I, I ran it, and I had a special badge. It was like VIP, and I got to go into the green room and hang out with the band and eat all the free food. It was awesome. But then God called me to leave that to become a professor at a university, but I still was helpful in, in, in the ministry that we left. And so I remember the next year, people still kind of knew me, and so they, they still kind of opened the door for me, and they still kind of let me go back to the green room, but I had no badge, and I wasn't on stage. People didn't really know who I was. The second year I went back, just to see how everybody was doing, the security stopped me at the door. I'm like, I used to run this, son. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes the old me comes back. That's not how pastors talk. Um, I used to be in charge. I'm sorry, I don't know you. Okay, wow, okay, I get it. I, listen, they didn't know me because I didn't have a badge. I didn't, and they didn't know me because I hadn't preached. I didn't have a platform. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, they, 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 they weren't paying attention to me because there was nothing to put me on stage. Here it goes. Attention creates access. And what you give attention to has access into your heart. Did you know that memories are not hurtful? A memory can't be painful. The only way a memory can be painful is if you give it your attention. And when you give it your attention, you know why you're still not over that breakup? Because you're still thinking about that breakup. Shift your attention and the thing that's bringing pain into your life will no longer have access to your heart. Listen, we've been saying this for years, but a study was just released. And I don't mean like released last year. I don't mean released last month. It was released on November 10th. Who knows their calendar? Yesterday. A study was released that studies the correlation between social media and depression. Here's what, the, here's what the study said yesterday. An experimental study by psychology researchers at the University of Pennsylvania has shown that the first, for the first time, a causal link between social media use and lower rates of well-being. While the relationship between social media and issues like depression, anxiety, and loneliness has been discussed and studied frequently in the last few years, this is the first time that a study has shown a direct causal link between the two. Now I got new advice as a pastor for people who are struggling with depression and anxiety. One, get in a journey group. Two, start a fast. And three, cut social media a little down. Because you know what social media is. Social media is you giving your attention to everything you're not. Social media is you giving your attention to everyone who's doing way better than you. And because you're giving attention to all these other people, the insecurity and the depression and the anxiety is seeking in because you're giving them your attention. It has access. It has access. Look, this morning before I left the house, I found this on my kitchen counter. And I had to get out the house before the kids saw it. 
You know what this is? This is a Disney store toy book, holiday 2018. <laughs> Guys, I, I, I was on the way out. I was like, yank, I had to grab it. Because inside here, remember when you used to have like, the, you were a kid and they had all the pictures, the toys you wanted for Christmas and you circle it? Disney took it to a whole nother level. Now they got stickers. You pull off Mickey and you put him on the thing you want and you give it to mom. And when I saw this in the morning, I said, devil, out of my house. Be gone, Satan. I didn't, I didn't want my kids to see it. Why? Because here's what I know. The moment that they open this, they're going to see everything that they don't have. And they're going to start crying and it's going to have access to their heart because they gave it to their attention. So this year for Christmas, I'm doing something different. I'm going crazy. That's what I'm doing. I already talked to the printing company. They said it was okay. They said they're going to do it for me. I'm going to get a camera and I'm going to take a picture of every toy I bought them in the last two years. Zoomed in. Even, even the price of how much it costs. And I'm going to make a big booklet of everything that I bought them in the last. And I'm going to give them that for Christmas. And when they open it up, they're going to say, Dad, what did you give me for Christmas? Appreciation. That's what I got you. Appreciation. Come on, it's funny, but that's what you need to do with the devil. You need to create a book of every good thing God's given you in your life. Of every blessing, of every miracle, of every time he stepped on your side, of every time he did something for you. You need to show him. I don't need it. I don't need it. I got it. I got it. I don't need it. I got it. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I don't need it. I got it. You know what I'd do if I was the devil? I'd create my own holiday. And I'd put it, I'd put it right on the one day of the year that you're supposed to be thankful. And, I, and I'd put it there to steal your attention from the things that God's given you. I would. Yeah, what I'd do is, what I'd do is, I'd, I'd, I'd put everything on sale. And then I would send like 100 magazines to your house. Oh, oh, and then I would spend like thousands of dollars in Facebook ads. And I would flood your Facebook feed and your Instagram feed with all the things you don't have right on the day when you're supposed to be thankful for everything you do have. And then what I do is I start to sell early so that, so that while you're looking at your family and telling everybody for all the good things you're thankful for, right there, I'm, I'm going to put some pressure on you so you go get in line and wait for everything you don't have. And, but, but then, but, but to make sure that it kind of slips in without noticing, I'm going to name it something cool. Like, I'm going to add Friday in there because everybody loves Friday. But then I'm going to add a little me in there just so you know where it came from. So I don't know. I'd call it something like Black Friday. I'm not judging you if you're getting in line to save money. I'm just saying, do you think it's a coincidence that on the one day of the year, we're supposed to remember and focus on all the things God's given us, that this country has built itself in a way to push into your face everything you don't have? Come on, let's not get fooled. I'm grateful for the discounts, but I got a book full of blessings. Here's my last point. Here's my last point. You can give God praise for that. Here's, here's my last point. And I'm going to tell you what I wanted to call it, and then I'm going to tell you what I actually called my last point. I've never done this before. I had the whole message at this point, and then I switched it. And Liz and I went to a Boyz II Men concert this past Wednesday. Boyz II Men ministered to me. Um, the point was, stand strong. 
That was my last point. And it comes from Philippians, see? Because it says in Philippians 11, verse 13, it's good. It says, it says, I'm not saying this because I am need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. I thought stand strong. I didn't even know what I was going to preach. I just liked the way it sounded. Start, stay focused, stand strong. Mm, that'll preach. But I had no idea what I was going to preach about. I just liked the way it sounded. But then I went to Epcot with Liz for a Boys to Men concert on Wednesday. Boys to Men, come on. 75 years old, still killing it. Man, I don't know how old they are, but man, I was jamming out. Although we've come. To the end of the road, still I can't let go. It's unnatural to belong to me. Oh, sing it. Jesus, we belong to you. Yes, Lord. Come on. <laughs> well, I love church so much. Anyway. Hey, where's the man, man? They were killing it. Anyway, so we thought that if we got there 30 minutes earlier, we practiced that. That was pretty cool, right? Anyway, um, we, got, we thought if we got there 30 minutes earlier, we'd get best seats. And so, and so Liz and I got there, and bad call. It was, everybody wanted to see Boyz II Men. Um, it was like all Florida. Watched Boyz II Men on Wednesdays. Epcot was jam-packed. And, uh, and so we didn't get tickets to get inside. But if you get close enough to the gate, you can see the band. But the gate had like a hundred people, like hundreds of people outside the gate waiting to get in. You couldn't even get to the gate. And so I sent Liz on one side of the, what seemed like Epcot. And then I went to the other side of what seemed like Epcot. And I was just waiting for an opportunity to get closer and closer. I didn't want to be a jerk. You know those people who are always like pushing people through the, I didn't want to be that. And so I just waited. And when someone went to the bathroom, I was like, whoop. That person went to get nachos. I was like, whoop. That person went, whoop, whoop, whoop. I found myself at the front of the gate. I was at the front of the gate. I was like, yes. And I got my phone and I called my wife. I was like, babe, I'm at the front of the gate. Go come find me. I'm at the front of the gate. Come around. I'm over here. I'm over here. And Liz moved from her side, went all the way over to my side. And listen, she didn't have to be strong to get to the front. She did one of these. You know how it is. Excuse me, my husband's right there in the, you know what I'm talking about, right? Excuse me, my husband, he's right, he's the one with the, he's the handsome one, he's doing the front with the muscles, he's right there with the shirt. So excuse me, excuse me. And she moved all the way to the front, you know what I'm talking about, that trick you do, even when you don't know nobody, you just start trying to skip the line, they get at the front of the roller. My uncle's at the front of the line right there. Hey, uncle, hey, I'm coming. God's going to get you. <laughs> Stop playing, that's hell right away if you do that, okay? And so she did it. Here's my point. I know we're closing, but here's my point. She didn't get to the front. She didn't get through on her strength. Ooh. She got through because of who she knew. She got through because her relationship with me. I, I, I thought I had to be strong. And, and, and that's why I want to be careful. I'm not preaching positive thinking. I got to make sure that you don't interpret this sermon as positive thinking. I think I can. I think I can. I, no. Because you know what positive thinking is? Mental strength. Do you know what I've realized in 30 over years of life? I'm not strong enough. And neither are you. And so I had to change the point. It's not staying strong. What gets you through is staying close. How to hallelujah? How to hallelujah? I'll teach you. Stay close to the one 
who can get you through. When you don't have the strength to push through your depression, stay close to the one who will get you through. When you don't have the strength to get through your anxiety, stay close to the one who can get you through. When you don't have the strength to get over the disease or the sickness or the emotional weight, just stay close to the one who can get you through. When you don't have the power to get up in the morning because the weight is heavy on your soul, just stay close to the one who can get you through every battle, every demon and every devil. Now you can stay, now you can stay, now you can stay. Just stay close, just stay close, just stay close to the one who can get you through. I mean this with all respect, you're not strong enough. And neither am I. We gotta change the approach. Instead of trying to push our way through the crowds, push our way through to our destiny and push our way through depression, push our way through loneliness, push our way to financial freedom, and we're going to force it, we're going to make it happen, you can just stay close to the one who can get you through. He said, through Christ, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I wonder if there's anybody today who would symbolically lift up their hand as a, as a sign of, hold on to me, Jesus and get me through. I'm talking to those who are here today, specifically, you've never made a decision to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, or you did years ago, but it hasn't really become real for you, and you're looking for a moment to turn it around. I think that moment's right here, right now. Why not? You don't gotta be perfect to start this thing. You just gotta start. So if that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, a moment of, 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 of quiet, a moment of, of silence just here. If that's you, and, and you wanna just hold on to Jesus, and say, get me through. Uh, I've been coming for months, but I haven't really started this yet. When I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand to the sky as a signal. Yes, Lord, get me through. Jesus, I give you my heart. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.